Bishop Chris Ball a hand as he comes tonight. docket to come here, I, I just start saying, oh God, these people have heard so much. I've been honored to be able to be here a lot of times. And, you know, before I came here, I heard about this place. I heard about your kindness, your generosity. I heard about the way you care for this community. I heard about Pastor Marty and your, uh, your amazing apostolic and evangelistic uh, message and heart, and uh, I almost had this desire to come here, but I uh, didn't know how that would ever work, not to preach, just to come, and uh, and then I met Brian that day, and he, he, he met me after class, he said, would you ever want to come, listen to this, he said, would you ever want to come and teach some leadership to my, my staff, I said, sure, I'd like to do that, I've never done that. I've, he's never had me do that because I, cause I, I'll tell you why. Because he just touched my heart so much that I began to pour into him so he can lead his staff. Are you with me? He doesn't need me to do that. I've been pouring into him with that in mindset, you see. And then he allows me to come here and speak to all you good folks. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been coming when I'm not speaking. That's how much I like it here, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Pastor Marty... Pat, Patty, and, and, and Aaron, uh, wow, what a, what a gift you are. Now, I also go to their house and eat their food. I had a great time with Sam. She cooked me something the other night, and then I found out it was gluten-free in Jesus' name, and I loved every bit of it, man. I was taking that stuff down and went back for seconds, and it was good. So I am a full gospel preacher. With the, with the bubble in the middle. You know what I'm saying? I'm a balanced Christian. Okay, all right, moving on. Hey, I've been uh, studying for my, my staff. I have 21 staff at the headquarters of Elam Fellowship. And we meet, and yesterday was the first time uh, since probably four or five months. Uh, in the summer, everybody scatters and does different things. But, but it was the first time we had the opportunity to all be in the same room. And I... And I I, I got to preach a vision for our movement called Elam Fellowship. I got to preach that to my staff first. I'm not going to preach that here, but, uh, but, but I, I preached it to them. I gave them my heart so I could fire them up because I, I gave them a theme for all of two t 2023, right? And, but, but before that, the Lord had been talking to me about that theme and said, this theme is going to take some faith. So for the last four or five weeks, I've been teaching my staff uh, about how to move in faith. And, I, and they've been devotionals. They've not been sermons. They've been devotionals. Yesterday was a sermon, but, but, but today, I mean, up till then, it's been devotions. And so when I taught uh, the, the, this devotion here a few weeks ago, I said, that would make for a good sermon over there in Batavia. So... So I'm giving you what I'm giving my people. That, that like I'm I'm not just giving you anything. I'm giving you stuff that I want. Uh, you know, you want to give your best.
to the people that work with you, right? And so and that's how I feel about this. And so, um, and so this comes, this message actually comes around in the context. I wanted you to hear this first. In the context of how we build our faith, how we move from strength to strength, from how we move from faith to faith, and how we move from glory to glory, right? And so, so that's the series I've been giving them. And this, this one here is entitled, this message here is entitled, and again, it, it was a devotion, but now I got some juice in it. And it says this, uh, living your faith in the midst of failure. Because if you're going to go from faith to faith, it's in the two, faith, T-O, faith. It's in the T-O when you sometimes fail. Are you with me? And when you're in the two, you can get stuck. Does that make sense? And so I, I, I started looking at that context. Now, if you want to turn to the uh, scripture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. 31 to 34. The context of the verses that I'm going to read and, and, and share my, the word for you, for you tonight is, do you remember the story in the Bible where they had... The, it was the Last Supper. Jesus was feeding them and, and breaking bread and giving them juice and telling them he's about to die for them. And, and right after he does that, like I don't know where he was in the room, but right after that, they start saying, who's the greatest? I mean, they're in the two. <laughs> and they start wondering, who's the greatest? And they're, 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 they're conversing all that. And, and, uh, and the Lord kind of starts speaking to them. Why are you fussing over who's the greatest? I mean, if you want to really know the truth, the greatest is the servant. You've heard that. And that's all in that context. Then he turns to Pete, Peter, and he says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. We don't want our faith to fail in the two. And when you have returned to me, because it's going to be a tough time when Satan sifts you, but when you come back to me, then I want you to strengthen the brothers. Let me read it again. Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, if you were Peter's other disciples, the ones who were trying to figure out who's the greatest, and they saw Pete over there talking to Jesus all by himself after that conversation. I bet they're wondering, hey, Jesus, talking to you. I saw, I saw you over there having a Starbucks. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure they were thinking after he said that, he took Peter aside and said, yeah, you're, you're the best. He said, what, what did he talk to you about? And he said, well, actually, Jesus told me that Satan has asked me. If he could sift me, which means split apart who I am. 
like wheat. And he said, what did he say? What did he say? I'm going to rebuke Satan. He said, nope. He said, I'm going to pray for you. Now, I don't know about you. I would have rather him say, I'm going to rebuke Satan. But, but, but Jesus is saying, no, he's going to sift you. And when you're going through the sifting in your faith journey, I'm praying for you. The word, so that you do not fail. The word fail there is a word rooted in the word klepto, which means eclipse. 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 If I were going to read what I think this sermon is all about in one sentence or two, this is what I would say I'm going to preach to you right now. Satan is going to put something between you and him, Jesus, so that it blocks or reduces your view of Jesus and what you believe about Jesus won't seem to hold up and stand up. Satan is going to put something, Peter, between you in such a way he's going to eclipse you and me so that you can't see me from your perspective as I really am in such a way that it's going to cause you to question who I am. How many of you have ever felt like you question who Jesus was in your journey, especially when you feel like you're being sifted like wheat? Amen? But when that, then he says, when that eclipse passes, strengthen your brothers. In other words, when you come outside of the other side, I'm praying for you. When you come outside the other side, it's about the gospel. It's about praying for your brothers. It's about learning something in the fire, learning something in the sifting, Learning something in the process, you're not going to fail, but you're going to get eclipsed. Because Satan's job on planet Earth is to kill, destroy, and confuse you as he steals from your life. Satan wants to do that to all of us. He wants to do it before you meet Jesus, so you never meet him. And once you meet Jesus, he wants you to think less of Jesus than what you originally thought when you met him. He's trying to discourage yourself so that when, you know, when you meet Jesus, I don't know about you, but when I met Jesus, the grass looked greener and the skies looked bluer. How many was like that? I mean, it's like I, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, and I found him in a Baptist church, walking down the aisle, crying my brains out, and God all of a sudden met me, and it was as if the sky was bluer than it's ever been. The next morning I got up, and I saw the color of green that I never saw before, and every prayer I prayed seemed to be answered positively. But then there came a time. There came a time when I prayed a prayer that didn't turn out the way I wanted. And all of a sudden, I'm getting eclipsed. Something now, the prayer that didn't get answered, is standing between me and Jesus, and I'm beginning to question who he is. Anybody been there? I've been there. The enemy's strategy is to make your faith fail by placing something between you and God so it blocks your view of him from that vantage point. I don't know about you, but I saw the total eclipse when I was in fourth grade. 
I lived in Hampton, Virginia, and I remember as a little boy just getting to the United States a year before that, and I was in fourth grade, and I remember the total eclipse of the sun where the moon comes right across in front of that sun. And I remember, I think it was around noon that day, and it turned dark. The lights went on. The street lights went on because they had those sensors on them at that time. And it was black for a few minutes. Not not a few minutes, for a few seconds. And then the, 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 the moon just moved away again. The moon was passing in front of the sun. The sun disappeared. But here's what I want you to know. The sun was doing just fine. See, the sun was doing just fine. The moon is the thing that was moving. The sun stayed still. The world was darkening, and my ability to see clearly at that point was impacted because of the moon going in front of the sun. Three things that Satan will put in your life to eclipse you in your faith. Ready? Number one. He will eclipse you with your sin. He will eclipse you with your sin. Peter, it says, and when we read the heading on in my Bible, it says, Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him. That's what it says. Listen to what Peter did. Peter didn't just deny him. He lied. He sinned. The author of lies is the enemy. And he, 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 he did something. He set Peter up to where uh, 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 you know, Jesus, uh, if you read later on in verses 54 and following, you find out exactly what happens. But here's what, here's what Jesus says to him. He says to him, be strengthened. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to both prison and to death. And then and, and Jesus said to him, I tell you something, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny me three times. And sure enough, later on, if in verse 54, you read the story, and, and it says this. It says that Jesus was arrested, and Peter already, starting to move away from his faith, it says, followed way behind. He's following behind. He's already starting to doubt what's going on here. And this girl, they're sitting around a fire, and this girl says to him, hey, you were the guy. You were, you were in the group. You were in the group. And he, he sinned. He sinned. He sinned. And said, no, I wasn't. We say deny. He lied. That's sin. Last I checked, lying is not good. And he did it three times. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, at the very third time, it says he began to cuss him out. Read it yourself. It said he began to cuss and swear about it. Because you see what happens when you... When you start to move in sin and you don't quickly repent, you start to multiply your sin. It's like, it's like when I told a lie to my mom when I was a little kid, and then she asked me another question. I had to come up with a new lie to cover the first lie. And then the, a third lie. And that's what was going on, you see. And so he's sinning. It says after that, he went away and wept bitterly. The guy who was talking to Jesus, telling him, I'll, I'll go to death, I'll stay in prison for you, is now crying his brains out. He's been eclipsed by the enemy of our souls. He's been eclipsed. He's, he's had something come between him and Jesus, so he's not seeing the light now, 
and it's his sin. He's, he's crying. He's wiping his eyes. He's we, we, weeping bitterly because sin that he thought. He, he, listen, I, I, I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm with Jesus. I've accepted Jesus. I'm not going to sin anymore. I remember the first time I sinned after I got saved. I thought, did I get saved? How many of you have ever felt that? Did I really get saved? I, I, I work with men all the time in counseling and stuff like that. And they say, I will never look at porn after I get married now. And then you find themselves back into porn. And it's like, what happened? What happened? We've been eclipsed by sin. Whenever you, you can know you've been eclipsed by sin when you're asked to pray and you lose confidence. Like, I, 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 you, you can tell that you've been eclipsed by sin and you don't have the faith to stay up there and pray for somebody. It's like, it's like when I have bad thoughts, can I now begin to preach? Can I teach? Can I, can I have faith? Because it's attacking your faith. Sin gets in the way of our faith walk. And the enemy says in your head, how dare you even think about praying for somebody to be healed when you watched that last night on TV? Are you with me? And he eclipses you with your sin. I want to have my faith go from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. The sinner's prayer when we get saved is not a magic wand in the area of your behavior. It's a magic wand, if anything, in the area of your position. When we get saved by saying, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Come into my life so that you can wipe away the sin of my life. In that moment, you are positionally the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But tomorrow you can behave like you never had it happen. And the enemy uses that and says you're really not saved. He eclipses you with your sin, brings doubt into your life. He, he causes it. Listen, sin will cause you to run away. It will cause you to, to, to it'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer away from God than you want to stay. Sin does this to us, and the enemy uses it to manipulate us and discourage our faith walk. You lose your boldness. You lose your confidence. But Jesus said, Peter, when that happens, I'm praying for you. Isn't that cool to know that Jesus is praying for us when we blow it? Huh? Isn't it cool that when the enemy of our souls who's coming to kill, steal, and destroy us, that he's eclipsing us, trying to discourage us in our faith, that we have a Savior that didn't just save us from hell, he's praying for us. He's, he's standing with us. He's believing with us. There's a guy, um, I heard the story of a priest. This guy became a priest because he committed a horrible sin. And he made the decision I can't live with myself. I'm going to join the priesthood so that I can earn my way back into righteousness. So that I can serve God. This was such a horrific sin. Back in the early 70s, we had what we called the charismatic 
movement that actually impacted the Episcopal Church and also the Catholic Church. And there were some Catholic nuns who really got blasted with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit filled them up. And this, this priest that I heard this story about, he was uh, uh, going to be connecting with one of these nuns who had the gift of the word of knowledge and prophecy. And, and, and he said to this one nun, he said, listen to me, I've been, I've been dealing with stuff all my life. In, in my words, in the context of I've been eclipsed by my sin all my life. It stood in the way of my faith growth. It stood in my way. The enemy is continually bringing this up in my mind. I don't know if you really have uh, an insight to God. I don't know if you really understand the revelation of God. I don't know if you have the word of knowledge. But if you do, I want you to go to God for me. And I want you to talk to God. I want you to go ask him, what sin did I commit? And what does he think about me now? And she said, absolutely. Glory to God. Started speaking tongues. And she went away for a day, and then the next day she came back. And he was waiting with his pen poised, ready to go. And she said, did you talk to God? Yes, I did. Did you talk to him about me? Yes, I did. Did he talk back to you? Yes, he did. He said, did he tell you what sin I committed? He said, she said, no. He told me he doesn't remember. And then he said, and I, I want you to tell him, I love him. See, I think sometimes the enemy wants to keep sin in front of our face, and God has already chosen not to remember it. He's already praying for us because our tendency is to allow the sin that we committed way in the past or the sin we committed this morning in our thought life to hinder us in our walk. I'm glad that while Satan wants to sift me like wheat, Jesus is praying for me. Amen. So the first thing I see there is, is that Satan wants to eclipse us with sin to keep us in our, keep us from our faith walk. Psalm 34, 5 says this, those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces shall never be ashamed. We need to look to God for a, new, for a new vantage point, a fresh perspective of God's mercy and grace. We need to look for that. Don't let the eclipse of sin keep you from seeing who God is. Number two, the second thing that eclipses, uh, Satan wants to eclipse with us is this. Satan tries to eclipse us, number one, with sin. Satan tries, number two, to eclipse us with self. With self. Peter was so self-assured. I, I, I know who I am. I got it. I'll never deny you. I'm so confident in myself that I know I have faith such to the degree that I would even be willing to go to prison or die for you. That's how I, I know who I am. Let me give you a Bible verse that you know. Take heed. When you think you stand, lest you self-confidence, I will never deny you. Love of self can eclipse the love of God. I'll say that again. Love of self can eclipse the love of God. We live in a world today where people love themselves so much 
So much is about self-help. So much about self-care. So much about self that we forget that our self-care, our self-love will never match up to his love. But Satan allows that self-confidence instead of God-confidence to eclipse us in our faith walk. It stands between God. Robert Mulholland Jr. said this, the temptation is to take over God's role in our life is the essence of false self. I'll say that again. There's a temptation, uh, the temptation to take over God's role in our life is the essence of a false self. Listen to me. The world we live in today is to trying to develop a self-centered mindset, and it keeps us from seeing God the way he wants us to see him. When you are self-centered, you become self-preserving. You got to protect yourself. You got to look out for yourself. You begin to compete out of fear for somebody else might be better than you. You might com you start comparing out of inse insecurity, and you begin uh, uh, distinguishing distinguishing yourself in such a way about how. Uh, how great you are. How many have ever been any, uh, you know, I, I, get, I get to go out with a lot of people. Have you ever been with somebody that they talk more about themselves than anybody else? It's insecurity. It's insecurity. Because they've been told if they're confident and they're great about themselves, that they'll be okay. Jesus says, die to self. That's last I checked. He said, take up your, Christ, uh, your cross and what? Die daily. Because every day yourself is going to want to come in between you and God. And all this hurts our faith walk. That's why I'm trying to say I want to go from this level of faith to this level of faith to this level of faith so I can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy. He doesn't want me to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him because he knows the power of God works within me, right? So what does he do? He puts sin between me so I can't stand up there. Or he puts self in there so I'm so self-confident, I don't even look to God and I start trusting in myself. And it ruins my faith walk. It takes me back away from my faith walk. I move away. It manipulates your world runs around yourself and you become self-centered. Jesus says, die to self. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. I don't live. Christ lives in me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Luke 9.23. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How am I doing? Good, I'm good. I'm almost there. John 12, 24, except the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it bides alone. But if it dies, it causes much fruit. We're trying to live, and Christ is helping us die. I think that's what he was praying. I think that's what he was praying when, when he said to Pete, Satan's going to sift you like wheat. Don't worry, I'm praying for you. And here's my prayer, die. Help him die. Because left to himself, he thinks, listen, Peter's faith was more in a faith that he had in himself than the faith that he had in God. I know I won't deny you. And sometimes we can get so much faith in ourselves, we think it's faith in God. And God allows sometimes, once in a while, 
something to come in between us to show us we just still haven't arrived yet, and we still need him. Is that true? And it helps us increase our faith. Self is you being God and having your own story when we should be taking up his story. Number one, Satan wants to eclipse you with your sin. Keep you from having that faith walk. Number two, self is what Satan wants to use to eclipse you. Sin and self. How many bet the third one starts with an S? Systems of this world. Systems of this world that we trust in eclipse us in the face of God. He hasn't moved. He stayed. The moon of sin crossed over and blinded us so we don't see him as he is. The moon of self stands between us and God, and we're focused on ourselves, and we don't see him as he is. Systems in this world eclipse us so we don't see him as he is, and it messes up our faith walk. We start to trust in systems of this world. Peter gets up. Whip, whip, he's weeping bitterly. Now, if he'd have stayed there and been broken, something would have come and brought healing to him. But what did he do? He did like most of us. You know people just like this. He went back to fishing. He went back to the world that he depended on without Jesus. He was out there fishing. He knew how to do that. He knew how to depend on a system of making money. Because you know money really helps you. If I just had more money, I'd be able to take care of this situation. You know, I don't really need Jesus if I had $400 million right now. I'd be okay. You see what I'm saying? You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Because we get eclipsed by a system that we want to live by rather than a system that God gave to us in faith. Systems of this world are constructing a way of meaning and significance without any reference to the divine, with no reference to God. Luke chapter 18, 18 says this, the rich man in the kingdom, he says, I have kept these things back. Remember the rich man in the kingdom, he said, I, he said, he said, listen, this is what you do. You need to, you know, not commit adultery. He said, oh, I've kept these things from when I was a little boy. And Jesus said, okay, just do this one thing. Sell all you have. And all of a sudden, it showed him. It showed him that he'd been eclipsed. Because he was a, it says, the Bible says he was a very rich man. That's, that's one of the struggles I've had over the years, just to be vulnerable with you a little bit. I want to be a good provider for my wife and my family. And anytime something nudges up against me that causes me to have a little fear that I won't provide well, I don't run to God quickly. I run to figure out what I can do. Has anybody been like that? And I think it's leaning into a system for my dependency for survival rather than leaning to him. I was talking to your uh, your pastor Ryan here one day, and I was, tell, I was sharing something transparent with him that I had, a little bit of an issue in my life that I wanted to share with him. And he says to me, he says to me, God will take care of that for you. I went, shut up. 
no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. It was, it was a word for me. Now, you would think I'd already know that, right? Now, why don't I know that? Because the enemy puts something in my mind that doesn't get me seeing him the way he is. And then Ryan comes and goes, God can take care of that for you. See that? God can take care of that for you. You're depending on systems, and I'm depending on systems all the time, because right now, advertisement has all kinds of money funding into the TV that you and I both watch, showing us what we need to help us in our life, and it doesn't include the divine. And it's a system of this world. Some people call it secularization. Even the church has moved into some of that a little bit to hold another teaching. But it's like we're, we're depending on systems of the world to draw people to the church. When Jesus said, if you just lift me up, I will draw them. Are you hearing me? That doesn't mean we shouldn't have good lights. I like these lights. We got to be wise, right? But listen, what? listen, listen. We need to know that God could come and take the power out in this building tonight and he still do something with us. Amen? We can use that. It's a tool. But if we become dependent on that, we become eclipsed by the system. Does that make sense? The kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of our God will become the kingdoms of the world uh, of the end of the age. Listen to me. God wants us to trust in the kingdom. Um, you know, we have a whole season of history in the church where our understanding of the kingdom of God was this. If we accept Jesus now, when we die, we will go to heaven. That's it. That's all we talked about for years. And Jesus was up in heaven and said, if I can get you to live, I'll send the kingdom to you. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we would sometimes just trust the system of this world. God wants us to trust him in that, uh, in, in his kingdom. There's a guy named Diogenes. Now, you might not know Diogenes, but you'll know a friend of Diogenes, Alexander the Great. If you want to Google Diogenes, you'll stay with me, but wait until I'm finished. Diogenes was a philosopher. Now, we know, we know Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered the known world at that time. And they had this parade in Alexandria, and, and they were it's named after Alexander. And they were, they were cheering him on and cheering him on and cheering him on. This article I was reading when I read, read, read for this illustration uh, said, most people in the world that are real ambitious are ambitious driven because of one or two critics in their life they're trying to shut out the voices of those two critics that said you'll never become anything. Most of the time, people you, that you meet that are really driven in this world, driven in the, in the systems to be successful and all that, it's because dad said when I was five years old, you'll never amount to anything. Or a teacher in a classroom said, I don't even know why you're thinking about taking SATs. You'll never do anything. And, and, and statistics show that when you find and interview people who are driven, driven to the bone to where they're almost done with their lives, they lose their families, they do everything because they're driven 
it's usually tied back to somebody who said you couldn't do it. Well, that's who Diogenes was to Alexander the Great. Diogenes said something of that fact. And, and see, Alexander could have been conquering the whole world, but the person he really wanted to please was Diogenes. And it was in the middle of the parade, he all of a sudden realized, where's Diogenes? Where's Diogenes? I thought he would show up for this. I just conquered the whole known world. And he started inquiring, and he found his servant, and he said to his servant, where's Diogenes? And the servant said, please do not kill thy servant when I tell you. He said, I won't kill you. And the servant said to him, Alexander, Diogenes is home sunbathing at his house. Alexander gets a slew of people, and they ride over to Diogenes' house. And they pull up, and they said, Diogenes. And Diogenes is sitting there like this in the sun. And he goes, Diogenes, Diogenes, I just conquered the whole world. What is it that I can do for you, Diogenes? And Diogenes says, get out of the way of the sun. Can you imagine being that confident that you could tell the ruler of the world you don't need anything from him? We have a world that's offering us all kinds of things. We need to have a confidence in the sun to say, get out of the light. When sin tries to eclipse us and stand in the way of the sun, sin, get out of my light. When self starts to go and starts to eclipse us and we start focusing on self, self, get out of my light. When systems invite you in and you start getting pulled in, and I, I wish I had this, I wish I did this, I, I, I start comparing myself to other all, systems of this world, get out of my light. Amen? John 1, 4, as I close. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what I'm praying for you, Peter. Peter's fishing. Maybe not like this. He's throwing a net out there. And all of a sudden, he looks. Oh, my goodness. It can't be. I was in this scene once before. I fished all night. And he came. And the Bible says, Peter started taking off his outer garments and jumped out of the boat, running to the beach. See, look. Not only will I pray for you, if you sin, I'll chase you down so you know that I love you. I'll chase you down even if you start thinking about yourself so much in your faith walk. I'll come and tell you, I'm here for you. Hey, Peter, even if you start believing in the system of this world, trusting in the economic fishing business rather than fishing for men, I'll chase you down. Not only I just pray for you, I'm coming because I am the light of the world. Let's stand together. Hope this came across. Hope it came across.
because I know this much right now, in the next 24 hours, somebody in this room might sin. I think you ought to go 24 hours without sinning. You got the righteousness and the Holy Spirit in your life to tell you. I think you ought to be able to not sin. But you might. I don't want that sin to eclipse you in your faith walk. There's a chance in this room, somebody in this room, in the next 24 hours, might trust in self instead of in Jesus. And if that happens, Jesus is praying for you. I want you to reach up and move it out of the way, imaginary, out of your way. I guarantee you in the next month, somebody will offer you a deal that will teach you how the systems of this world will help save you. That's the new salvation of the message today. Trust in this world, not in a God we can't see. If that happens, don't be eclipsed by the systems of this world. Reach up and say, get out of my light. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. I thank you for the word that you gave. And I thank you, Lord, that you helped me preach it. But more than that, I want it to penetrate the lives of these folks. Because I know you're taking this church on a journey that will increase their faith. We'll, we'll, we'll need an increased level of faith. We'll, you, you'll speak words to this church that will say, we've never been this way before. And it will require a new faith. So, Lord, help us as we stand in this place to trust you and not allow sin to eclipse us. Trust you and not let ourself become God. Trust you and not allow the systems of this world to lead us astray. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Before Pastor Chris, if you want to get set your Bible down, I want to pray for him. If you if you'd like to pray with us, Grandpa Chuck, I want you to come down. Dad, come down. Pastor Aaron, come down. Just lay your hands on him. If you want to come, come. Yeah. I'm just being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the man of God here tonight. Thank you for the, the Holy Spirit resting on him. Thank you for strength. I pray for great strength and healing and hope to be his portion. As he sows, as he pours into others, Father, pour into him. We thank you for him. We bless him tonight. We bless him in the name of the Lord tonight. Thank you for his life. Thank you for Carol tonight. In Jesus' name. I'll give him a hug. Don't let him go without a hug. All my life you have been faithful. Come on, tell the Lord. I'm closing. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. 
Would you lift your hand just for 20 more seconds and tell him, Oh, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made. say this in front of the church we were up here praying tonight and I was almost done praying and I said I feel the Lord to stop and and pray this someone has had shame from sin heavy on them and the Lord's releasing you from it tonight then you come up here and preach that word we never talked about it I know the people that were praying down here thought man they're talking over coffee over his sermon we never talked a bit about it. That's the way the Holy Spirit moves in a, in a service. Give the Lord a praise tonight. I love you so much. I love our Thursday nights. I love God's presence, and I love you all. We, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Those of you that are online, God bless you. Have a great week.